Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm Yasuki and it's my huge pleasure to introduce you to our robotics and AI community in Australia. Continuing the series of talk with the category winners of the Women in AI 2022, it's my pleasure to welcome back Associate Professor Corey Stewart. Corey is the founder and CEO of the ARM Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing Hub up in Queensland. This is an agile technology center in robotics and design-led manufacturing. Corey is also the winner of the AI and Manufacturing category of the Women in AI Australia New Zealand 2022. Corey, welcome back. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. We last spoke in August 2021, so I'm very, very happy that you're back under these um, circumstances of being the winner in the category. Yes, um, it was a great, um, it's a fantastic award to, to have won, but also to be part of that community of women who, who were winning and applying and um, engaging around AI. It really feels like a first um, for me and, and many of us. Um, so we've come together around Listen, it. We'll touch on it a little bit later in the talk, but it was absolutely fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about the Arm Hub and its role it plays in the industry. Yeah, so the Arm Hub is an independent not-for-profit company um, and we really formed and rolled out of a collaboration between government, university and industry to really provide an agile service for technology adoption as well as R&D commercialisation for companies and really around the problem area of uh, SMEs being able to access experts and innovation in a way that's sort of timely and meaningful for them. So, um, you know, often SMEs are dealing with projects that, that they want innovation on, but it's also their immediate commercial reality. So there's sometimes some pivots and changes to what's needed. And of course, there's a, a timeliness and an affordability. So a kind of a, a rapid kind of business process and delivery you need to be able to achieve with a lot of SMEs, which is the majority of the manufacturing sector in Australia. And of course, um, SMEs are also very dependent on supply chain, understanding connections. And so that's where we tend to work with their larger companies and a kind of network of SMEs to overcome challenges. So that's where the Arm Hub is focused on. And we've got deep expertise in robotics and AI, as well as design-led manufacturing, as you um, indicated. And we work um, with a network of other, you know, capability centres around the country to make sure that um, companies get what they need as quick as possible. So um, we're not everything to everyone, but we are very well connected and we can make uh, a lot happen for companies that come our way with, with good challenges and questions. Uh, just congratulations on your evolution because I think you've uh, just re reached a new status as well, um, Australia Research Institute status. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, now this is a real watershed moment for the Arm Hub and, and I'd say for Australia as well because um, reaching an Australia Research Institute status, it's, it's awarded, um, it can be awarded by three different, um, the ATO, um, a medical institute or CSIRO, ours was awarded through CSIRO or CSIRO, um, but we're the only company of this kind for manufacturing and indeed I think we're the only company in the wider tech and science factor that's a not-for-profit that's awarded this status. Um, the other kind of companies in Australia that have secured this status tend to be in the medical space, so medical related to hospitals where they do, um, um, they're not-for-profits and they do research as well and they, they can be of some scale. But it's generally not in the other sectors, so we're really the first in the other sectors and certainly the, the first for manufacturing. And what it allows us to do is it allows us to do research in-house 
as well as our normal commercial services. So um, we've always used research expertise and knowledge and IP that could be commercialised and translated or, or know-how that can be applied and used in kind of commercial projects and settings. And we've leveraged, I guess, um, people with pure research challenges back into the university to go and, go and sol solve those as well. But now um, we can actually run that kind of research that uh, any research that we want to do in-house. And, of course, we'll, we'll be aligning it to what our mandate is, is really to make sure that SMEs can get a more agile access to um, resources like research resources, but also philanthropic research um, outcomes and we'll have a real outcome focus. So we'll be looking for those programs that are really allowed the delivery of commercialisation into a company so it can achieve its goals um, and funds that really uh, de-risk that for companies. So it's exciting. It's a big world out there, but it does allow us to, to choose and allows us to service um, industry in the way that it needs um, access to, to people and funds. Congratulations. It's another mm -hmm. milestone on your journey really very well deserved. Um, just talking about deep tech skills in your own company, um, in Australia, obviously, we've got a huge skills shortage in the tech industry in particular. Um, what are the risks for AI and robotics um, as a fly-on of this? Yeah, look, I we are in a really... We have, we've been talking about it for a long time, but I think we've hit a climax around skills. Um, there is almost not a company you don't talk to that says labour and skills are there their uh, key pain point, one of two key pain points, but usually it's the first one. And uh, we're experiencing a time, you know, of, of high inflation and, you know, high employment and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of jobs out there for highly skilled people, but there's also a lot of jobs for highly skilled people everywhere around the world. So what I think we're experiencing is uh, an Australia that doesn't have the economy to support all the high-end jobs that our skilled, you know, our skills are coming out of the universities. Um, and we haven't been attracting talent due to COVID and, um, you know, the war and these sort of sequential issues that have been um, happening in our, in our world have really um, delayed or indeed stopped in many cases that um, international flow of talent. Um, and distressingly, I think we are starting to see a trend where people who have previously come to Australia looking for opportunity and lifestyle and experiences from across the world are starting to say, hey, I'm getting a better opportunity, um, a better lifestyle opportunity as well um, if I return home. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing this across uh, West, um, West Asia countries but also um, across the European countries, some of them. So it's... Um, we don't want to lose our talent. We don't want to lose talent that we've previously attracted to Australia and then have built so many of our industries. So the, the psychological thing, I think, or the cultural thing around this area for Australia is we don't like talking about high-end expert skills, artificial intelligence, all these things that seem a little bit scary at some times to people who might not be in the field or but might know that they need access to it or on their learning journey is that, um, you know, there might be reluctance to talk about it or to go and seek those skills. Uh, it's not an open conversation. It can be seen as a bit tall poppy. Um, mm. And uh, we are not absorbing the talent that maybe we can or we, we, we should be. Uh, I, the data really shows that we don't commercialise our, um, our, our IP 
um, that we already have. That means we're not using the people that we're training and they're not going into industry in the way that they potentially could. So great focus on that, just that real pain point. It's a long-standing pain point of commercialisation, but um, also skills shortage and companies really need to be thinking about how they can absorb that talent. It is there. Um, I think companies have a bit of responsibility about um, thinking uh, in an environment where they're finding it really hard to get skills, what is it that they need to do differently to find the skills that they need or are looking for or are they looking in the right places or do they have the right conditions um, around their work? Um, I think we've seen a real move to human-centred everything, whether yeah. it's ESG or supply chain um, or circular economy. Now we need to think about that for skills and people, like what are the what are the work requirements? Um, who are we looking at to do this work? Um, are people going into industries or staying in industries because they don't know about opportunities? I think uh, Stella from the National AI Centre um, was talking a little bit earlier about uh, her revelation since she's got to Australia that a lot of people in artificial intelligence, which is data science largely and data analytics, um, that are going through the universities aren't seeing careers for themselves outside of the university, haven't really considered that. Um, and that's a, but yet, you know, it's really difficult to continue and get jobs and be a lecturer to have a, you know, a long, fruitful career um, in, you know, if you go to a PhD, I think it's only 20% now that might continue on in in academia. So where does the, the remainder go? Um, and I think if we're smarter about how we manage that, um, we can all benefit um, just for our audience benefit, uh, Corey is referring to Stella Sana, who's the head of the Artificial Intelligence um, Office, newly formed, the government formed this, um, and she's been blitzing through Australia on a tour. If you don't know about her, follow her on LinkedIn. Um, I think she's been to every capital city. She's been to every state. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, she's in West Australia at the moment. I'm like a little mere cat running across people's LinkedIn profiles. I'm not, I'm just seeing what she's posting, but yeah. um, she, she has her um, her engage, engagement with um, the Australian community has been absolutely phenomenal. So kudos to her. I am hoping to get her on the podcast as well to talk about exactly what you're talking about, Corey. Just to your point about companies and their responsibilities, I couldn't agree with you more, but I think partly the challenges with companies today, um, not only do they have a skill shortage, but, you know, they're trying to run a business and, you know, make ends meet. So I don't know. Is there something that you think the Arm Hub could take a bit of leadership in and maybe, um, I don't know, design yeah. some courses or have workshops or something? Yeah. I think this place where, you know, uh, people are asking government to help solve it, like they might be able to solve things in the long term, but I think the uh, Arm Hub and others are perhaps better positioned to have the conversation to help and make an impact now because what the problem that we're experiencing is now. We can't sort of wait for a five-year training cycle, um, yeah. a new generation of blah that have got a different prospect set out for them from the get-go. We don't have that luxury of time. I mean, yes, that should happen, but we also have a, a piece of work um, that needs to happen in the middle, and that's probably where the Arm Hub, um, that is where the Arm Hub could come in. So what we really are is a, a company that forms the expert teams to help solve problems. Now, those problems um, they often start by talking about technical challenges that we can solve because we are a technology accelerator, really. But it's really often the workforce challenge that's equal or sometimes more prominent 
in terms of skilling up their workforce, changing the workflow, um, and it might involve some sort of uh, technical component. And we are really happy to work in that space because we recognise that technology not created for, you know, humans that want to use it is a piece of wasted engineering. Um, And we uh, work really closely with designers in the process alongside of companies to make sure that whatever we're doing is something that's going to do the transformation that business requires. Um, And each business is different. So a lot of the expertise actually sits within the business. So taking them on the journey, making them part of the solution, making sure that they're then part of the ongoing benefits that are going to be received is really critical to our process. We also find, and we are open to this, a lot of our staff that we employ go then go on and might work in that company, might get um, asked to work take up jobs in in the companies that they are doing projects on. Um, So we have people who come and work with us at early stage sort of internships um, right through to, you know, postgraduate researchers who are really looking for experiences with companies or want to solve real-world problems. So from that mix, we have um, our talent pipeline that moves through our company out into industry. And, really, that's exactly how how it should be. Um, but there's not many avenues like the Arm Hub where they can have those sort of safe early experiences, work on a few projects, um, spend time with the company. It's a bit of try before you buy on both sides um, and then off they go. Um, you know, then they, I then have a very big role in doing human resource <laughs> recruiting, um, but that's really, I'm in a reasonably good position to do that with our partnerships across all of the universities in Queensland and a national network of university partnerships and connections with the trades as well. So that that really has helped us um, provide that talent pipeline. Listen, you're extremely generous and I, I think everyone should have this, the spirit of you're training people up that you know there's a good chance that they're actually going to go and work for someone else. But if everyone else is um, pulling their weight and doing the same thing, everyone's training equally good people you know I was talking to uh, Peter Hook from the general manager of Bosch and uh, the longevity of their people working there and it's because they treat them so well you know and they invest in their staff and he said you know occasionally people do leave but the the plus side is they're sending out someone that's excellent into the industry he did add normally they do come back to Bosch but that doesn't matter but you know the point the point being if everyone every employer actually looks at their people and goes like what's the best I can get out of you how can I best support you and um, get you on your journey so that the whole industry benefits? Yeah. And, look, I do. We're, we are funded. We have resource funding from, you know, universities and government as well as industry. And I, I definitely see our role, like a, a real success factor, is getting um, companies the, the, the talent that they need <laughs> For short or long term, because it's it, they then make clusters of capability wherever they go, and um, usually it's a it's only about a year or two that you know the questions also occasionally immediately, but you know usually takes they do projects and they come back to us because they go oh I know you're there I know this is what you do really well like finding new capability looking at you know solving um, challenges with new knowledge and and a pipeline of people who can help on those journeys. And they'll say, you go to, go to the Arm Hub or they'll, they themselves will be building projects in their, in their company saying, actually, well, we don't have all of this, but the Arm Hub can help solve that. Um, so it's really, um, 
it's in our interest, but it is a longer term interest yeah. to, to make sure that, that that great network and clusters of capability gets out to industry and doesn't kind of um, either go offshore or or maybe just isn't in the best place for those individuals. You know, there may be missing opportunities. Yeah, I think the offshoring um, is okay if they all come back like um you know, Michael Mulford, for instance, a very good example of going overseas and then coming back with all his expertise. And, oh, yes. you know, he said, yeah, you know, he certainly encourages people. But um, I think post-COVID, we're in different situations now. Yeah. Like um, probably touching a little bit on what you said about human-centred requirements. How are you finding this um, just in your environment? I, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. like, it's very hands-on. But, um, you know, we, we certainly now in Victoria, we've, everyone's encouraged to still stay at home and work from home yeah I look I personally am in like I I like being able to have the choice and I give my staff the choice interestingly enough um I tend to find they go to work um because there's a lot of a lot of things they need to do as a team there's a lot of things they need to do with others um and some like me you know they have families and a big noisy life going on in the house and you know you can't always be amongst that um and and get done what you need need to do so um even my husband really you know he's he's in um he's an ai expert and he's in a company now that they're doing you know it's three days at work two days at home is kind of their routine but to be honest i reckon they can they can do seemingly do whatever they like um but they have like a, i think it's good setting up a, like a tradition about when you can be together and just being really efficient with your email so um i i think most of the people that i connect with are kind of well trained because they've gone through some sort of independent uh, research experience in their life um, or study experience in life where, you know, you're not expected to be anywhere, but you, you really have performance requirements, you know, performance requirements and, and most people are kind of intrinsically motivated to do a great job. So yeah. my leadership style really is, uh, you know, that is a transformational one. I expect that people have come to that, this job and um, because they have things that they want to contribute to and achieve and they're really um, most people are always working really hard to achieve that. And if there is a problem, it's not usually the, because they don't want to do the work. Yeah. It's, it's usually something that can be solved. So um, I, I haven't minded it. Personally, I do think it's challenging because we have all of those extra things to think about, like people's health and well-being, um, just related to being sick and COVID and mental health when you, when you have things where you are restricted. So I feel for my Victorian colleagues because I, I don't know how we, personally, I don't know how I, I would have gone with those extended homestays, you know, to young children to start with um, and, you know, being asked to stay at home again. Um, it's a bit tough. Ach, look, you know what, I think um, you do what you have to do and, you know, it's the path of least resistance. You know, there's lots of, we won't go into politics because people have got like real, um, you know, diverse opinions about this but at the end of the day you know as a community we're responsible to a community of well-being of people mm. so you know I try and keep that focus about you know this is a community thing and you know I could inadvertently affect or um you know get COVID to someone and not knowing I've even got it but it, mm. like it, it is a complex situation and I yeah. know um Look, we're not going to try and solve that because we've got scaling <laughs> manufacturing trends in Australia. That's a big enough we've problem. We've got lots of, lots so, of so problems. Tell, as well. yeah, tell me how we're going to be restoring and onshoring and are we growing? Like what's happening in the space? 
Well, you know, I'm a li- it's a bit frustrating if you look at it as a data kind of problem because um, sometimes I like to think about what are the what are our leaders saying? Like, you know, what is, I don't know, what's Anthony Albanese? What's he, what's the stories he, he getting about our, our industry? And in a way, it's our, our figures are sort of frustratingly sort of sit around the 6%, a little bit of growth in manufacturing, a little bit sort of backwards and a little bit forwards. But I mean, um, and I, but I think that there's a really good story in here. The, the good stories, I think the growth is getting in the higher value. Um, niche industries and we're uh, getting a lot more expertise that's going into global supply chains and, and products into global supply chains and we're doing more I think, at the servitization end so we're getting smarter business models and we're, we're probably we're continuing to lose a, a lot of the mass manufacture um, and with some industries under the pinch like construction you know our manufacturing is impacted by that as well so um, I do think we are seeing really interesting stories and trends and case studies where we are doing exactly what we need to do, you know, high-value product into global markets, um, innovating in our local supply chain as well, making sure that, our, you know, the sovereignty of our locals, you know, our work in the sovereignty aspect also has a global market um, uh, value so that we are getting um, what we need as an economy to make sure that we continue to be competitive in manufacturing. So we have done some really important work. Manufacturing is still a topic now, for the, you know, that is a, an everyday public discussion. Uh, it will continue to be so while people still feel the pinches of inflation and food and food shortages, all of those things that come down to a lot of our manufacturing know-how and capability. Uh, I'm very keen to see how the new government will um, reset its investments, but that seems to be where it's going because it's put a hold on um, some of the MMI collaboration grants for those who are working in manufacturing probably won't have got away without knowing about that. Um, And things like the AI digital capability centres too, they've all been put on pause. We don't know the outcome of it um, and I know it's frustrating for companies, even like ourselves, who've put so much work into these these submissions. But um, I think what we've got to look to is making sure that the, is it the $15 billion fund that the Albanese government through Ed Husick is putting forward is something that uh, really underpins the manufacturing industry and underpins it by supporting the technical expertise like the the vendor companies the technology and capability companies that are going to ensure that those manufacturing companies are successful Mm. so we haven't really had the sophistication around that discussion um, and a policy sense you know we had seen in the previous years large clumps of funding going to a sort of certain um you know, domain or company, but we hadn't really seen about what's that sustainable investment that's needed. And it's that what are those companies that are going to help transform whole industries like manufacturing because it goes across industries. It's a good yeah. example. What What's going to transform all of those industries? And that is really our digital smarts, our business model innovation smarts, um, that kind of capability investing in it so it yeah. can support wider industry outcomes. And I think... Um, I've heard good indication that I'm hearing um, through policy statements and, you know, public um, speeches that this is something Ed Husick has really thought about um, and I find that encouraging. So I think we've started a trend um, in the last five years. Um, We've had to pivot and demonstrate that we can do it through COVID and we, I think, 
everybody knows that we did do it. You know, we can make um, accelerate change and innovation quite quickly. We can work together quite quickly um, if we need to. Let's hope that we take those lessons into the future and into the new policy environment so we can actually scale manufacturing here. Yeah, you know, in a way, COVID hasn't been all bad. Um, just mm-hmm. on that point that just showing our manufacturing capabilities. And I was, um, I read an article yesterday of a company in America that's um, bringing all its uh, outsourced from China. It's taking it back to America. So I think um, the whole the whole world economy is anyway shifted, and everyone's under a world of pain. And the illusion that um, outsourcing it to different countries that it's cheaper that's that's not true anymore because everyone's in a bit of a um in a pickle yeah and look them like i find individual companies might find it i go i can still do it cheaper in china for what i want and that might be true but yeah on the whole um all major countries around the world are investing in bringing manufacturing back home it's a sovereignty question but it's also where all the high value high um, highly skilled, high-valued jobs are anticipated to come from into the next, you know, you know, two, three decades or longer time. So it's a long-term um, strategy that almost every major company country I can think of has a plan yeah. <laughs> around. Yeah. So we are competing in that sense. So, um, yeah. you know, we we do need to think smart. And, of course, in defence there's the AUKUS and the, the allied relationships which actually has been benefiting um, Australia quite well in terms of supply chain diversification um, and allowing, you know, supply chain development and maturity in some of Australia's more high-tech industries. Yeah. Just for our audience, if you're not aware of the Robotics Roadmap 2022, which Corey was also very involved in, and, of course, the Tech Council has also in 2021 released their report on what's happening in the space Australia So, and how important it is for us to get jobs at the moment, there are um, 861,000 tech jobs across Australia, and yet we are still in a shortage. Mm. And I, look, I, I like to give an example. Um, you know, I have a humanities background, um, and I've worked in uh, STEM, STEM innovation, innovation policy, you know, and then into um, building something like the Arm Hub. Um, there are so many ways and so many skills out there that can support our rapid need in, you know, in STEM and in um, IT in this country. And we sometimes we need to think really innovatively about where that might come from and um, the allied skills that that brings. You know, for me, it can bring a whole range of methodologies around um, design, a whole range of uh, human centered methodologies around how we think about things or how we can make things happen workforce ideas um and i at the arm hub a lot of the work we actually do is around like i said workforce um understanding business models putting forward complex i like helping inform complex economic ideas around precincts and districts or you know so there's a whole range of things that we can think about that that ultimately will drive um you know fuel i should say fill gaps in the in the it sector like they're not all entirely um stem 
driven. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and to our audience listening, um, I will put uh, Corey's, uh, the website and the contact button in the show notes. So do make sure to reach out to, if you aren't already following her on LinkedIn, make sure you press the follow button or connect with her. Um, this is a resource that's available in Australia. So if you think that you have need for their expertise, reach out. Now, the awards night. Um, what a fantastic celebration. The buzz in the room um, was just uh, something to behold. Andra Miller and her team just excelled on the evening. Now, I have to ask you, I've asked this of all um, the, the winners. Did you nominate yourself or were you nominated? Um, I got a, I was asked to nominate. So I guess I'm yeah. somewhere in the middle. So one of our partners um, who are working on projects with, and we're working on this, um, it, it was uh, the Microsoft team uh, really highlighted that you need to put your, put yourself forward for this and that, you know, any questions you have or anything you want us to help with or let us know. So um, that that was a good uh, rustle up and a little poke in the side to <laughs> <laughs> to make sure <laughs> yeah and I, I mean I do it, it is uh I, I do value when people make the suggestion to to do it and I think that's a good thing so if anyone's out there who thinks that people like you, you go gosh you know this person really they should apply for this award yeah. Yeah. um ultimately these things are things you almost I feel you have to write yourself so um it really is that poke inside and a little bit of a confidence booster and a little bit like hey actually I, I can carve out some time to to think about this and and wasn't it wasn't it worth it? It was so, so oh, good for me. Um, absolutely phenomenal. So um, I've had feedback in, um, of the actual process that um, it's highlighted for some of the other women um, where they, they're falling short on some skills or actually where they're doing really well. And they've actually used the nomination form as sort of a platform to plot their next moves of what they think they should be doing. Did you find this? Um Okay, I, that that is interesting. I'm not sure if I explicitly remember every criteria in that one at the moment, but I do remember particularly enjoying writing that one. Um, I I often find myself writing them for others. I do write. I do get asked to do a few few of them. Um, and um, I'm there's one that like I get there's one I'm looking at now. I'm <laughs> just um it was it's not an award as such, but you know I'm asked something, and it will stay with me. Um, you know. They've asked me that question of what have you done in your professional life that you 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 know regret and how we or how would you do it differently? And I just it's it makes you reflect. And like I don't, you know, this is an example of a question that um whilst I can't remember one of those awards, this is a question where, yes, I know it's a kind of like a routine question, but um it makes you think about how you think about work. Um, you know, I always think if you make a mistake at work, it's like you're it's a learning experience and you can move on and like you're not always in control of what happens in your workplace but it also has made me reflect on you know um you know probably work-life balance <laughs> um, how you've got to make everything come together so that's obviously a big question mark in my mind about uh you know how these awards can really ask you questions and um maybe bring your head up out of the sand for the day-to-day work for a while. And not it shouldn't be intimidating. It should be, what, is, what, what do other people think they want to know about what it is to work like yeah. or, or do the job that I do or have the career that path that I've had and, um, you know, take, take a little bit of reflection on. Mm. So, so you can down to Melbourne because you and I, uh, we saw each other there. 
um, you've got two kids. What does this award mean to you? Did you take it home and they went, what's this? Or <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I... I was pretty stoked. I'm like, they're, they're reasonably young. I think my daughter was, oh, she would have been six. Um, but, you know, uh, my son, um, he would have been eight. And they both wrote, they both wrote little cards, like, because my husband was screening it. And, um, and I think it was, you know, it was good for him too to see that this is a really big event and it's not something that he'd been connected with, obviously, either. And, uh, um, and I got the little text messages with these beautiful little. Um, my my son said you're you're as famous as um, oh god, a famous soccer player. Oh yeah, you're as famous as Ronaldo, mum. And I was like, <laughs> that's so funny because he's just soccer obsessed, and I knew I'd made it then. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. You know what? I think. Um, there's that saying, you know, you can't be what you can't see, which yes and no, because, you know, obviously there's always been a first and they didn't see anyone. But I think, you know, kids growing up in, in, in households where people are doing stuff, you know, like they, they're out there and they're trying things. It's so important. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I look at your kids and I think how fortunate they are because this is quite normal and they will grow up going, well, they are expecting to win some awards now too. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I hope so. You know, you can only hope that as a mum who's juggling the professional and the, you know, the the mumming life um, and the family life that somehow this equation works. I know I sort of set out on this journey I, in my life and I, you know, I was a slightly older mum and I just thought um, what I think I'd really like to be able to do is, you know, show them a little bit about what, you know, uh, having a career, what you can do and contribute to a career um and you know they've had to sacrifice I suppose a few things along the way because you're not necessarily doing every you know school pickup and play date in the way that you know you you might like but um I do think yeah ultimately they'll they'll see that um you know you can you can win some and you know you you can you can have struggles and you can get through them and you can change things and you can still contribute like it's not a set path if they're watching me anyway <laughs> I think that's fantastic advice Corey really like for anyone listening not just kids like it's for anything in life it's applicable you know you um you can be the creator of your own life you know you in a way you your own ceo and mm-hmm. um, you know never mind about the company you of yourself you're in command and control of yourself and there's a lot to be said for just knowing that that you know things can happen to you, but how you how you respond and how you react that's completely up to you. Yeah, and I one other thing I think um, if I'm just to be brutally honest, I think sometimes just just staying in there and just allowing watching it for a while, like working hard but watching and just staying there and letting things come and not panicking or worrying too much as you go and just having that some somewhere in you I'm getting better at it I probably wasn't very good at and in my young years and just not thinking you need to react all the time it's probably been well you know that's just a little bit of age and maturity and and staying in the discomfort like discomfort anyone we want to move out of if if anyone's like me I want to move out of discomfort as quickly as possible and sometimes it's worth it just going, listen, just sit through it. Like, as you say, you, you don't have to just actually just brace yourself because this too will pass. And mm. maybe sometimes, in fact, doing nothing is the best thing to do. 
Yeah. Well, maybe that's probably reflecting on how you phrased it. That's probably what I mean. It's like actually it's not what you want right now but or it's not what you, yeah, you'd probably like to be able to move it on, um, um, stop it, cancel it, yeah. get angry at it. But all of those things aren't, don't work. So you just, you just need to, to, to be in it for a while. And it's usually, a, it's, it comes out okay. You come out, you come out okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's wise words. So for any women out there, what words of encouragement uh, can you, because, you know, Andra, I, I think this touches on women. Um, most of the women I've spoken to were completely flawed that they um, were yeah. prodded or told to apply for it and they just didn't think they were good enough, which, my goodness, I look at them and they are, you all are so extremely capable. Um, what would you say to them? Oh, very, oh, absolutely the same. Like, um I know that I, I uh, really work hard to have the impact that I, like, solve the problem that I have set up around the arm hub to solve, you know. I don't really, I, I know that I do that well, but I, I sometimes, I didn't think that, you know, I would I would be the person who would be thought about, uh, about AI and AI and manufacturing, even though that's obviously <laughs> integral. So, yeah, getting the prod is amazing. Um, um yeah, I look at those the other women, and there's so many of them. But you know, there is some that they are all exceptional. Um, but you're right; they're also all very real women <laughs> with you know real and complex lives and on journeys that sometimes those journeys are really well mapped. You know, like they're kind of careers that you just you know people understand, and sometimes they're really unusual journeys, and they were all celebrated. So people, it's a great honor to be part of it, and your application gets. Um, read and you uh you get some you know people will talk to you about what they really like like the assessors take this enormous amount of time and then they come to this gala event and oh my god you had to get into this beautiful you know you had to get all dressed up after COVID, <laughs> fly down to melbourne get all dressed up um and uh and the 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 one-on-one time getting to see everyone in person and all these these new people who really had absorbed so much about you and what you'd done and everybody else there. So um, it's a, it was a very rare opportunity for that level of engagement and um, joy, really. Mm. I can't, I, um, you know, I reflect on the evening, even just sitting here, I, I looked at these women and um, to the audience, there were men as well and they most yeah. welcome to come. It's not just, you know, all women, but like it's predominantly about women and their achievements and it, just that, I don't, I don't think I've actually experienced that, that sense of that vibe and community and just oneness anyway. Well, I don't think I've been to an event quite like this anyway. And I know Andra is busy with next year, so it's going to be absolutely, um, I don't know how she's going to top this year's. Or oh, I, I don't know how she's going to top it either. She, <laughs> I think she really does need to take an enormous <laughs> amount of credit for, um, she, she's got the talent of, of taking this thing to, to the the highest level of it, of joy and engagement. So um, you know, uh, she she I'm sure she'll do something new and fabulous this year. But um, I thought for them, I do hope it's also at the um, the National Gallery of Victoria. I don't know, maybe or tour or something. I don't. I really don't have the details. But I actually really enjoyed that venue as well. Um, it, it was, was a delightful place to be at that time, and um, yeah. 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 So to any any ladies thinking of applying, throw your hat in the ring. Um, you want to be part of this event and um 
again, Corey, it's such a pleasure and congratulations again on, on what you do <laughs> and, your, and your award. Yeah, thank you. And look, the application process is delight. It's a, it's a really good one. It's concise. You can do it if, <laughs> if someone's out there wondering. Yeah, you know. I, I, think, um, I think what it is, it's just it's not like a 10-minute application and, and just be ready for it because you do actually need to put some thought into it. And as you've mentioned, you've got the people that are um, your judges or they all recognize, um, you know, Laureate Professor Toby Walsh was one on one of the uh, panels. So, you know, you, you've got serious people um, reading your application and reflecting on your work. So, um, Corey, again, like yeah. just bringing that into the equation, you well deserve the accolade <laughs> and winning them because you've had like serious people look at that, your um, application. So just for Thank the audience, um, where can they reach you? If they're not following you on LinkedIn, that's the second time I've given you this prompt. But, <laughs> um, where, what's the best place? Look, um, you know, we we have a website at the Arm Hub. Uh, my email is also on that website, you know, so it is corey.stuart at armhub.com.au. So you can reach reach out to me directly. I, I don't mind. Um, but we really do put a lot of our material on, on LinkedIn. Um, we have conversations on Twitter. Uh, I think that that's really where we're most present um, we also have an industrial uh, facility which is a big collaboration and demonstration space in Northgate um, in Brisbane which is right near the train station you know in the industrial heartland of the city um, on the way to the airport or back of course so if you really do think you want to see what um, we're doing or you know you want to engage or you've got challenges that you need solved um, you can always pop in. Well, I will take you up on it. That's what I think I've got any of Absolutely. About it. Just because I want to come and see. And, of course, I'm going to have tea and coffee and stuff that you're going to, um, you know, like we're going to do the whole thing there. So once I'm in Brisbane, that will happen. Corey, Absolutely. You. you must now. I will. No, definitely. I'm coming up that way. So, listen, thank you so much for your time. It's It's been an absolute, uh, again, delight to speak with you. I love uh, catching up with you. And um, to our audience, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. Reach out to Corey. Um, she's she's just a bundle of energy, and <laughs> I I can see her. she's nearly jumping through the Zoom screen here. To say, Let me help you with your problem. So um, I don't know how many more invitations I can give you. So do no, it. There you go. No, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> have a great day, Corey. All right. Bye. And and to our audience, uh, I hope. You have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world, and I look forward to you joining me again next week for another episode. Take care. Mm-hmm.